protesters in Dixie storm the Capitol. Legal challenges sprout up on all fronts across the nation. And with midterms looming, can the GOP rebound and hold on to the Senate? This and more today on The Flam Show. So we'll be starting today, uh, obviously addressing what's going down in Dixie right now. So anti-immigration protesters uh, have been at the Dixie Capitol in Austin since last Tuesday. Uh, this was in response to newly elected Governor Triplion's executive order effectively turning Dixie not only into a, a sanctuary state, but but really going as far left as possible on giving taxpayer benefits, uh, health care, the whole nine yards uh, to illegal residents in the state, uh, as well as putting harsh punishments on any state employees that cooperate in any way uh, with the government, the federal government. Uh, and this also extends to employees of localities. Uh, effectively stripping them of their sovereignty to make certain decisions about the way they want to enforce laws uh, within their jurisdiction. Uh, So these protests have been mostly peaceful, but have been ramping up. There's a lot of tension here. Of course, former Governor Whitey was famously very uh, anti-immigrant. wouldn't be too far of a stretch to say that he basically wanted to close down the border entirely. And now we have the complete opposite in Governor Tripp. So Dixie is heavily divided on this issue. And that's what we're seeing come to the forefront right now. Uh, And now we have these protesters actually storming into the Capitol, uh, sitting into the Capitol. And the governor has responded uh, by calling on 10,000 state policemen to respond to what's going on. Uh, now, of course, this last point is very questionable, considering that uh, the state of Dixie has roughly 9,000 police officers total employed directly by the state of Dixie. So number one, I don't know where this extra 1,000 police officers is coming from in the first place. Uh, number two, this isn't the job for what is effectively the state highway patrol. Uh, Dixie does not have law enforcement officers that are capable of handling this type of situation. The governor is completely off base just in this act alone. Uh, maybe the National Guard should be activated, uh, obviously having large, uh, a large mob of people storm a government building is not ideal and can threaten the safety of people that are just trying to run the the state of Dixie's government. And so I can be sympathetic that that we need to do something about this. Uh, We need to resolve this peacefully. Uh, But the governor has opted for getting people who aren't properly trained, aren't prepared to handle this situation and really escalating the tensions here. Uh, just not a good look from the governor. Uh, he will be holding a press conference uh, tomorrow, I believe, to speak about the issues and speak with some of the protesters and take questions. 
Uh, I think that that's a great idea. I think that's a great step. Uh, however, he's already screwed up and tensions are already high and we're looking at potential violence here if he can't find a way to calm things down. So, but let's take a step back and, and really think about, what, so what's going on here as far as the actual issues at play? We have the protesters. We know that immigration is a contentious issue in the state of Dixie. Um, but what exactly are we looking at here? So Governor Tripp has really taken an extraordinary move on this issue uh, since taking office. He has seen it as his role to really just grab this issue and run as far to the left as possible without consulting with the state legislature, uh, without looking at the intent behind many of these programs that are now going towards uh, to illegal immigrants. They were originally intended, obviously, to go to citizens of Dixie uh, and legal residents here in Dixie, we have now taken on a, a much larger expense for these programs that were not intended for illegal immigrants. Uh, we are also now uh, threatening massive fines up to $50,000 for people that are just doing their jobs. Uh, there are parts of the Dixie Code that require certain actions be taken by state and local law enforcement to help and assist federal officers in carrying out the enforcement of federal law. And Governor Tripp has basically said he doesn't care about that. He doesn't care about it at all. Uh, there's no interest here in coming to some sort of you know, common ground solution. Uh, and to be perfectly clear, uh, I am certainly in the camp of we need to change what's going on in our immigration system, and we need to do it soon. There are people who are hurt by our immigration system, thousands upon thousands of people. Uh, there are people who are just seeking a better life that just can't come to America. We should be that shining city on the hill. But we also have laws. and Yes, many of those laws need to change, but we can't change them by having a governor take office and just unilaterally just say, I'm ignoring all the laws. I'm ignoring the laws not only of the federal government, but the laws that exist in the state of Dixie. Uh, I'm going to send all this money to places where it wasn't originally intended to go, and I'm going to penalize anyone in the state that disagrees with me, and I'm going to take away the power of local police departments and law enforcement agencies to decide what is best for their community. Uh, this is just bad policy. Uh, it's bad decision-making. It's, it's bad politics, too. This just doesn't look good on the governor. Uh, it's not, it's not going to work out uh, for him. I think a lot of these legal challenges, uh, which we'll be getting to in a second, aren't going to go his way. And, you know, we'll, we'll just have to see... Uh, what ultimately happens here. Uh, but really what we need to be doing at the border, okay, what needs to be done, and Governor Tripp can take a leading role on this, as, as I intend to do in the House of Representatives here soon, is we, we need to get back to a place where if people want to come to this country, 
and they're looking to improve their lives, that we are giving them that opportunity. People should not be denied entrance into our nation really on any basis other than national security risk. You know, if we can't determine a a legitimate national security risk, then people should be able to come here and work. I'm not saying citizenship. I'm saying allow people to come here and just make a better life and, you know, maybe eventually get citizenship. But the first bar that we need to cross through uh, is just allowing people to come here. And I'm willing, you know, I want to work with the Democrats. I want to work with with Governor Tripp, uh, you know, as a representative from Dixie myself. You know, this is an important issue, you know, but we also need to secure the border. Uh, whether that's going to be through a wall or through more modern, enhanced uh, security and monitoring techniques, uh, we can work out those details, but we need to secure the border. Uh, it's just something that it has to get done. But secure the border, allow more people to come into this country, and, and let's have a dialogue. Let's not have governors going rogue, uh, ignoring the laws on the books, ignoring their legislatures. And I mean, at the rate we're going with all the mounting legal challenges, we'll have a huge backlog. And this just isn't healthy uh, for the dialogue. It isn't healthy for our politics. And this is not where we want to go. So get a little bit more into some of the legal challenges. Of course, uh, Senator Adith has brought forward challenges against uh, the executive order, as has uh, Lily, uh, the minority leader here in the Dixie Assembly. And like I said before, I just I don't see how... I don't see how these are going to stand uh, to scrutiny, these these executive orders. I mean, number one, there's the question of, of supremacy. Uh, immigration is pretty clearly uh, outlined as a power uh, for the federal government. Um, the state has a small role to play, but this is primarily a federal issue. Of course, the federal government cannot co-opt uh, the state law enforcement officials, but at the same time, it's really, it should be up to the localities to enforce these laws. And that also brings up second point. There are laws on the books in the state of Dixie that dictate how local law enforcement is to cooperate in some of these situations with federal law enforcement. And as it stands right now, the executive orders issued by TRIP are going directly against the law of the state of Dixie. So we need to be looking for that, see if those arguments will come up in these cases. Now, in response to all of this, President Ninja has unfortunately inserted himself in about the worst way possible. And I know he's a member of my party, but the executive order that he issued in response to Governor Tripp's executive order really misses the mark. Uh, We have a republic. Federalism is a thing. There's a separation of powers. And while the federal government uh, is the proper enforcer of immigration, there's a clear issue here of forcing localities to cooperate with federal authorities. This is not constitutional. 
and this should be struck down. You know, momentarily, right after the announcement came uh, from the four Democrat governors that they were challenging <laughs> the president's executive order on the basis of the Tenth Amendment. Uh, I mean, I laughed because you never hear the Democrats talk about the Tenth Amendment and powers that are reserved to the states. But this really is a clear issue where the, the federal government, the president and Congress, cannot dictate to local law enforcement how to do their jobs. Okay? Now, they can, they can kind of get around this uh, through some grants, which they obviously do in the war on drugs and even in immigration enforcement. They do these things. However, the president does not have discretionary authority to wave some money in front of all of these law enforcement agencies uh, across the country and basically say, you either help us or get out. You know, this requires an act of Congress. Uh, and this is just, again, it's bad politics. It's bad policy. Uh, it was a bad executive order. Uh, I mean, I don't think that Congress should pass anything that would allow the president to do this. But he's clearly not allowed to do this. Uh, but local local law enforcement agencies should be able to do what's best for their community. You know, uh, I mean, it's really tiring to see uh, Governor Tripp thinks that, you know, we should be fining police officers $50,000 uh, if a local, you know, small town law enforcement agency decides to work with the federal government. And on the flip side, the president's threatening to withhold money to localities. Uh, I mean, this is just... It's wild. Let people in in their own locality, let them make decisions for themselves. Okay, this isn't that hard. This is America. We don't have to have a uniform policy everywhere. All right? Let people decide for themselves. Let cities decide for themselves. Let counties decide for themselves. And we'll be a lot better off. These are not fights that should be happening. All right, so we're going to move on from that. Uh... So one of the happier pieces of news for me this week, uh, the Civics People's or Labor Party, whatever they wound up with, uh, they're dissolved. Good riddance. Um, yeah, there's not really much more to say. Centralist parties have no business uh, in politics. They don't stand for anything. Goodbye. Um, okay, now on to the... Uh, Let's let's look forward. Uh, we got midterms coming up, federal midterm elections uh, in just a few weeks. Of course, the big headline in this run-up and during the election cycle will be, can the Republican Party rebound from a disappointing state cycle and hold on to our narrow majority in the Senate? At this point, the Democrats control four out of five governorships. They control five out of five state assemblies. They control the House of Representatives by a wide margin. And we have a 50-50 split in the Senate. The only thing going for the Republican Party right now is that we have the White House, and so we have the tie-breaking vote in the Senate. And, of course, we have the lone governor uh, up in Atlantic. So we're in a, in a pretty precarious position going into these midterms where we really need to make some gains. Uh, and of the most important thing is to hold on to the Senate. Now, 
just to gloss over the house real quick, we will make gains in the house. We currently only have 10 seats, uh, but with the civics party going down and with some fresh blood coming into the party, I think that we're really anticipating a, a decent showing in the house races. I, I don't want to go so far as to say that we have a legitimate shot at taking back the house. I think that's obviously the long-term goal. Uh, and we definitely want to push for that this time. And we might be able to get close. I, I do think that getting within two to three seats is entirely reasonable. Uh, but getting over that threshold and getting enough representatives in the House to actually control the gavel uh, in the House of Representatives seems like a long shot. What's not a long shot is holding on to the Senate. Uh, we have a favorable map. Only two of our sitting senators have to defend their seats whereas three of the Democrat senators are in positions where they have to defend theirs. So obviously we have Senator Guns up in Atlantic, uh, a decently strong senator, but he will face stiff opposition. Uh, likely it's looking, it's, it's looking like it'll be from Majority Leader Zippy, uh, who would be a very, very strong challenge to Senator Guns. Uh, I do anticipate Senator Guns pulling off a, a pretty good campaign. I do think that race will be rather close, though. Uh, and definitely the weaker of the two candidates that will be running. Uh, incumbents that will be running. And then, of course, we have Senator DDYT in uh, Superior. Senator DDYT is not the person you want to run for office if it's not a Senate race. He doesn't win those races. But the races he does win are the Senate races. He will win re-election. It won't be close. I don't care who the Democrats throw up. DDYT is safe in his seat. He still needs to work hard to keep it that way. And so we'll see how his campaign actually goes. But I really don't anticipate that race being anything other than a blowout uh, in favor of the Republican incumbent. Now, moving on to Greater Appalachia, uh, our first Democrat incumbent, uh, Polka Dot, Senator Polka, is an incredibly strong incumbent. She may be the strongest incumbent in the country in this midterm election. Uh, she's incredibly active. She's incredibly popular, even among members of the Republican Party. Uh, Honestly, I, you know, she is a Democrat that I probably get along with better than most. Uh, you know, we're going to try. We're going to try to unseat her. But at this point, unless, unless we really have an insurgent candidate just come out and, and really show that they've got what it takes, I'm, I'm pretty confident that Polka will, will be able to hold on uh, and win re-election there. And in Fremont, we have Senator Darth, pretty strong candidate, you know, recently put into the Senate, but still, I, I think he's, he's relatively popular. We have a lot of strong Republicans in the state uh, of Fremont. We'll have to see who winds up running. Uh, at this point, it's unclear what the field is going to look like. Of course, that'll start to take shape in the next week or two. And I think that we will have a really strong candidate. Um, between uh, Minority Whip Block and 
the current nominee for interior, uh, Steve, uh, among several other potential candidates, we we should be able to mount a pretty stiff challenge there. I would say it's a lean Democrat race, but that could easily go the other way, and that's definitely one that we're looking to pick up. And now, of course, we'll go to my favorite state, my home state, and the state where I will be the next senator of, and that is the state of Dixie. Uh, newly sworn in Senator Al Powell. Uh, seems like a nice enough guy. Uh, he's too far left for Dixie. I think all the energy that's being drum up right now, uh, energizing all the conservatives uh, in Dixie with the way that Governor Tripp is behaving is really going to hurt Senator Alpal and his reelection effort. And I, I do think that my Senate campaign will prevail in that race. So my, my current projection is I think that DDYT and Polka are pretty safe. I think that Darth and Guns will probably win re-election, but they are, you know, uh, fairly vulnerable if they don't stay on top of their game. And then with Al Pal, you know, I I think that the race in Dixie is going to be a toss-up. Uh, I'm convinced that I will be able to win, but just trying to look at it as objectively as possible, he will be a strong candidate. Uh, I will be a strong candidate. And potentially, I mean, I haven't won the primary yet, so we'll have to see how that goes. But we have other strong candidates there as well that are more than capable of taking him on. So I do project at this point that the Republicans will be able to hold and hopefully gain a seat in the Senate and that that will give us a place to build on uh, come the next presidential election. So, yeah, so we're going to wrap up now. Um, this upcoming week, obviously, there's the big party uh, formation amendments. Uh, we'll get results on that. I believe voting is still open. Uh, GOP executive elections are currently ongoing. Uh, the voting just opened today. And so I'm running for chief whip against Jason, uh, Governor Jason of Atlantic. I think that we're both very well qualified for the position. I think the party will be in good hands, uh, whether I win or or the governor uh, wins that one. So I'm not too worried about that. Uh, of course, the vice chair race, again, Senator Guns against Senator DDYT, two phenomenal candidates, and we'll be in good hands either way. Uh, the newly formed director of outreach position, uh, Senator Adith, is running unchallenged. and Rightly so. He came up with the position. He's already been basically filling that role uh, for the past few weeks and been doing a great job at it. Look forward to seeing what he can do in that position uh, full time once he's no longer chief whip and can really focus on those duties. And of course, the chair race uh, seldom our fearless leader, uh, our chairwoman, is running for reelection. There's token opposition from Pac-Man, Senator Pac-Man, but I think even he is endorsed seldom at this point. It's not a real race. Uh, Chairwoman seldom will be reelected, and I look forward uh, to 
more time with the party under her leadership. She's done a great job. Also, in this next week, you should definitely be looking for a ramp up in press. I know that things have already been getting strong, but we're only a few weeks away uh, from the campaign kicking off. Uh, we should expect to see more campaign activity on the press side of things. And of course, this Dixie protest situation should be wrapping up in the next couple of days. Uh, if I'm still talking about this come next week, then things have probably gone pretty bad. So anyway, I want to thank everyone for joining me today. Uh, this has been the first episode of The Flam Show. Uh, the goal here is to, you know, really just go over what's going on every week in Model US Gov, as well as provide some commentary from my unique ideological perspective. And yeah, if you have any ideas, any feedback on what you like, what you don't like about this show, things that I can do better, things that maybe I should cover uh, in upcoming episodes, feel free to reach out to me. Uh, I'll probably make a form at some point to allow people to give anonymous information if they want, if that's a thing. Um, but yeah, so thanks everybody for joining me, and I will see you next week.